The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison and Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-shirt designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Guitarist and vocalist Rick Emmett rose to fame as a member of the Canadian rock band Triumph, who delivered countless classic rock hits like Fight the Good Fight, Lay It on the Line, and Magic Power. They also performed at many memorable stadium shows, including the World Series of Rock, Texas Jam, Day on the Green, and of course the historic Us Festival. In fact, It has been 40 years since the second Us Festival that Triumph was part of, along with bands like Van Halen, The Clash, and Ozzy. I wanted to talk to Rick about that day in California, as I've got him on the line right now in Canada. Rick, it's nice to have you back on the show. I look forward to it, too. Let me lay it out there for you. I love three-piece bands so much. When I first saw Cream, I couldn't believe it. And then the James Gang, Stevie Ray Vaughan, The Police, Grand Funk, Rush, you guys. How did Triumph become a three-piece? Because it wasn't that way originally, right? Uh, well, the, the band that Gil had before... Uh, he started up Triumph was uh, a kind of a smorgasbord of guys coming and going. It was like a weekend jamming kind of a band. And yeah, I, you know, I, and then Mike and Gil hatched the idea of a power trio. And then they went looking for a guitar player. And so when I landed in it in September of 75, the idea was this was the least amount of guys you could have and still call it a band. And, <laughs> you know, this was the, but before the days that uh, Jack White figured he could go out on the road. <laughs> That's just a guitar player and a drummer. Right. Uh, but, yeah, so <laughs> I, I I admit that when I was in the band after about a decade or so, I was getting to the point where I was going, oh, man, I, I really could use another musician to be bouncing stuff off live. Because, of course, you get in the studio, and yeah, Led Zeppelin would be the perfect example. You know, it was really a trio with a singer out front. But, you know, once you get in the studio, Jimmy would be doing, you know, 14 guitar tracks, and the yes. bass player also played unbelievably great keyboards. And, right. You know, I, that was what Triumph was, too. We, we used lots and lots of overdubs in order to create records. And then live, I was sort of chafing and going, I, I need more. I, I need more. I must have larger <laughs> arrangements and orchestration. Rick, when you see stuff like a bar band or someone doing a Triumph song online, does it drive you a little bit crazy when they're not quite getting it right? (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. I I just did a thing last year for Vintage Guitar Magazine where I I did a little, you know, because I'd seen some of these instructional kinds of videos on YouTube where I go, no, that's not right. That's, Uh That's not what I did. So... I've, I decided, eh, I've set the record straight, but, um, I, you know, there's a weird thing about when other folks do your tunes. Like, one of the things is that um, the song is, if it's a good song, if it's a good piece of music, it, it can even withstand being butchered. And there's still <laughs> something there where you go, ah, my song, look at it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's being so poorly treated, but it's still... There it is. It's still standing on its own two legs. Uh, the other part of it is uh, there are just so many. I think the digital age has brought us uh, a proliferation of, of uh, talented people that can do amazing things, and you and you get access to it that you you know you never had it before. Yeah. So 
you, you, you get to see these things where, like a guitar player who's playing my guitar pieces so much better than I could, you know, or somebody mm. singing something and they're just killing it. They're just doing an unbelievable, you know, and you go, okay, this is, wow, what a lucky life I've had that I made music, but then here's the music. It's growing new legs. It's, it's, it's going in ways that I never imagined that it could certainly never imagined. I could take it there. You know, somebody else is taking it someplace I can't. And I've seen guys like, you know, Leonard Cohen talk about all of the different versions of Hallelujah, you know, and going, yeah. look, I just feel blessed. I feel blessed for all of them, you know, and that's the truth of it. You you just think, this is fantastic. You know, music is this gift that just keeps on giving. That short, beautiful intro to lay it on the line. The only way I've ever been able to describe it is it's just sparkling and you know something great is going to follow. How did you work that out? Okay, so uh, I had a... One of my favorite chords on guitar is an A minor 9 chord. You only need two fingers to play it at the fifth fret. And it's a voicing that I love. It's got lots of open strings. Uh, and it puts a C note right beside it. So you've got a minor second inside the chord. It's, it's a magic kind of little chord. And then when we were in the studio and I was playing that voicing, but I, I had a 12-string electric guitar, and I was thinking... If I put the voicing up the neck somehow, so I found this really kind of complex little fingering to, for that voicing up the neck to go over top of the other voicing. So it's actually two guitars that are doing that dance underneath. Yeah. And that's the bedrock for just pretty straightforward, you know, the da that's all just a scale. That's all straightforward kind of. Uh, I don't know, you know, lettuce around the fact that there's this just little toggling uh, chord change that's a, an A minor 9 to a D13, but it's like... And, of course, those aren't really rock and roll chords, you know. <laughs> like when I say that, you know, I think probably 90% of guitar players would go like, hey, what are you talking about, man? Well, well know. and, you know, I, I kind of have always heard a little bit of Pat Metheny in your playing. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, uh, he is an influence. He, he, that, and Pat lives in a place way above my head, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I admit that right from the get-go. Uh, there's things that he does and writes and plays and performs. And, of course, he's a jazz guy that can function on a jazz level. I, I can't yeah. live there, you know. It, right. It's just... But I, I do love him and respect him uh, so much. Uh, I, I sometimes get asked, hey, Rick... You know, of, of all the guitar players on the planet Earth, you know, who would you love to jam with the most? And uh, because f folks know that, you know, Pat Metheny's one of my heroes, they go, what about Pat? Would you, would you love to play with Pat? And I go, no, I would not. <laughs> I, would, I would be crapping my pants. I would, there's no way I would ever want to, you know, touch a guitar in the presence of Pat Metheny. You know, I just, I couldn't do it, you know. A uh, very humble thing yeah. to say. By the way, for all who don't know, it's the 40th anniversary of the second Us Festival, which was famous for many things, but not the least of which was Triumph's unbelievable performance on the uh, Heavy Metal Day, which, as I recall, was a Sunday. What do you remember about that day and maybe some of the other bands? I remember 
flying in in a helicopter, which I'd never done to get to a gig before. <laughs> I remember, you know, looking out over a sea of anywhere from 250 to 400,000 people, depending <sighs> yeah. on who's making the estimate. I mean, I, I remember thinking, look, it's the middle of the afternoon. You only have to do a 60-minute show. Right. Don't worry. Don't just have fun. Just play the songs. Just do what you can do. Like, just be yourself. Um, don't let the moment overwhelm you. Just try to be in the moment. So all of that sort of zen-like kind of stuff, but it was weird. I mean, it was surreal. And you're talking about the band surrounding me. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking... You know, Eddie Van Halen's getting up here later. You know, uh -huh. Eddie Van Halen's going to be on this <laughs> stage. And I'm going, oh, yeah, okay, oh, Jesus. Well, I, I better have a good day, you know. Um, <laughs> but we, we we went on after Priest, and, and uh, Judas Priest, they drove up on Harleys onto the stage, and I thought, okay, well, we don't have any of that. No. <laughs> We're not doing any of that. But Gil talked Wozniak into doing our intro, and of course... Wow. I don't, I don't think anybody, uh, you know, nobody knew who he was. You know, a sea of humanity, and they're going, yeah, who's that little speck of a guy? I don't uh -huh. care. He wasn't Steve well, Wozniak was kind of cool. yet, in other words. Yeah, Steve Wozniak of Apple, who decided, by the way, I think their accountants came to them and said, you're either going to have to give, you know, $50 million to the government in taxes, or we can just throw a party for America. And they went, yeah, let's do that. And so the <laughs> Us Festival thing sort of became them just burning their money in, in a really, you know, kind of cool way. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, and the I wish we had more time. Rick Emmett, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much. Great catching up. Thank you, man. Bye-bye, Jim. And by the way, the band is releasing the limited edition two-record set Triumph live at the US Festival, only available at triumphofficialmerch.com. Well, that does it for this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. I'm Jim Tofty. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. Thank you.